the One Two Football Podcast. The voices of tomorrow here today. Hey guys, welcome back to the One Two Football Podcast. I'm Nathan, and today we are giving a detailed look into this year's Premier League transfer window. As usual, I'm here with Ollie and Kieran. How are you guys? Yeah, I'm good. It's been a while, to be fair. I feel like I'm saying that every single time we start from <laughs> And then we don't have one for a while. But now, now I'm good. I'm good. It's a good time to be a Man United fan, to be honest. Can you say the same for, for Spurs? Kid? The, the Euros that we recorded a pod. Um, and to say that Ollie's, it's a good time to be a United fan. Um, I'm currently in the opposite end of the boat, sinking, <laughs> um, being a Spurs fan. But, you know, every cloud has a silver lining. Uh, in the same day that we got some unfortunate news, we got some good news. Um, so at least that's something, you know. They they say hide the bad news in the good news. It seems we've gone the other way round. But I mean, I'm sure we'll get into that. The bad news might be a bit too big to hide from, from any sort of good news. I mean, for me, yeah, it's well, in, in the, I'm I'm in the middle of Liverpool. It's kind of just there. Eh, this we're just existing. But this is going to be. We're looking into what everyone's transfer window. We're going to focus on Manchester United, Liverpool, Tottenham. As that's what we know the most about. To give you guys like that kind of analysis. I suppose we'll start with Oli. Let's just get into it. Manchester United, I mean, great window so far. Yeah, it's been a brilliant window so far. So we're not actually used to, you know, getting all the business done at the start of the window. Um, but we're hoping that we can do some more deals. But before that actually happens, it's been in the news today. We're trying to offload around 10 players to raise a £100 million fund. It, 10 players in order to get a £100 million fund to then re-sign more players. Because obviously the pandemic's hit everyone's finances hard. We can't just spend, spend, spend. So the main people looking to be sold is obviously Lingard, Martial, don't think this person's going to get sold, but Phil Jones, mm-hmm. um, Pereira, uh, James and Dallow. Now, Dallow looks like he could be going on loan um, for around a five million loan fee. So that's a little bit of money towards the fund we're trying to create. But Lingard and Martial, I think the two players to keep an eye on. Um, Lingard's obviously been linked with West Ham, but they say they've only got a 10% chance of getting them. No idea how they got that figure. Don't know how they figured that out, but they say they have a 10% chance of getting them. And I think Atletico Madrid are one of the front runners to sign them, to be honest. So... There's a, there's a deal there, but Toons AB and Brandon Williams are two players that could be going out on loan, not sold. So hopefully if we do that, and Dallow, that could be around £15 million just from loans going out. So that's something to keep an eye on. But the two people we want to sign, right back and a central midfield, everyone knows that. But I think the one thing I'm really happy with my United this transfer window is the fact that we're just saying no to players that aren't necessarily 100% in it. For instance, I say this name wrong every single time, but I'm going to say it, Kamavaniga. He's, did I get it right or Kamavinga. wrong? Kamavinga. I always get it wrong. Always get it wrong. I, it well, I was like, please get it right. Please get it right. <laughs> yeah, I always get it wrong. But anyway, it's a hard name to say. But him, Man United are no longer in the race for him. We have pulled out. We no longer want him. He said he would rather go to the Liga. And Man United have said, OK, we don't want you then. Solskjaer is trying to rebuild the roots and the philosophy that Ferguson had, where if you were a Man United player, it was something to be, you know, worthy of. You needed to earn it and you needed to want it. And the club was always bigger than the player. And United aren't trying to fly players that don't want to be there, um, which I really like the fact, you know, Varane only ever had eyes for Manchester United. I think Chelsea were interested, but he's, he told everyone no. He had a long chat with Pogba. So I hope that means Pogba's going to stay, to be honest. But we'll get on to him in a little bit. Um... But yeah, so he's out of the race. So who's in the race, right? So left in the race, obviously everyone knows that. I think our number one target right now is Saul at Atletico Madrid. We are trying to raid them with two players and the other one obviously is Trippier. 
Now, I'll start with Trippier because it's a bit easier to say. They don't really want to sell him. He's got 12 months left on his contract, but he has an option the club can trigger a 12 months extension. So his price currently, I think he's like 30 years old, is his age, it's 13 million pounds because technically he has two years left on his deal. Now for me, 30 million pounds for a player, which to be fair, in a position we don't really need. If we don't loan out Dallow, who had a very good season to be fair last season and he had an okay Euros, and Trippier's not going to be a starting right back with Wan-Bissaka. 30 million pounds is an awful lot of money to spend on a player that isn't necessarily going to be in the starting lineup. I don't know what you guys think about that, but that just seems like a lot of money. I've read somewhere, and I, I don't know the source of it, but it's on one of them like Man United live Twitter accounts thing where they like post, post everything linked to United that that some of the United hierarchy weren't so impressed with Wambasaka, and they felt like his attacking output was gonna hold them back. I think it was something like that. So if Trippier does come in, it genuinely wouldn't surprise me if maybe he did start. And there, there was talk very early on. I don't know much has been followed up on this that Wambasaka was going to be trained to become a centre back in a back three kind of similar to what Luke Shaw has done, but Wamsack would be a more permanent fixture there. So, I mean, I, I mean personally, I wouldn't pay it. You know, if I was in charge, I'd stick with Wamsack. But from the Man United hierarchy, you've got to remember it's, you know, what it's, it's part of what social, I think, but it's also what the new people in charge at the, the transfers think. So, it's, it's an interesting one with Trippier because we all know he's very good, but 30 mil, 30 years old, like, I, I'm, I'm not so sure. I mean, Kieran, you know a little bit about Trippier. Yeah, no, I, I do, to be fair. Um, Trippier, to me, never really amazed me defensively or offensively. It was He was just an all-round solid fullback. You know, he he could put five out of ten crosses into the box, but then a few could go, go slightly astray. He was good good set-piece taker at times, but then other times it would hit the first man. Um, defensively as well, he's, ju- he's just solid. So I'm surprised almost that, you know, the hierarchy say that you know Wambasaka offensively probably wasn't as as good as they wanted him to be. That you'd go for someone like Trippier, who you know isn't necessarily known for his attacking output. Um, but like you say, I think thirty million is a bit steep. You know, I'm pretty sure Spurs sold him for less. I think that was around fifteen to twenty million alongside all the add-ons, um, and that was more just because I think he had twelve months left on his contract and he wanted a new challenge. Um, but he's coming off, to be fair to him, a great season um, at Atletico Madrid with Simeone. So I, I'd imagine that, you know, he's a very different player to what he was two, three years ago, especially defensively, as you know, that's what that coach is most known for. Um, so I think it would be strange almost for Trippier to be kind of the attacking right back out of the two of him and Wambasaka, when arguably over the last, you know, 12, 24 months, He's probably improved defensively, maybe more than he has offensively. But, I mean, I don't think it's a deal that I'd expect to happen. Um, I would have thought he probably will stay and that 12-month extension will be, we were ordered. I mean, all the reports are suggesting if Man United can raise the funds, then it is a deal that Man United want to push to get, to give that sort of rivalry for Wan-Bissaka. But... I think what everyone needs to be aware of here is, yes, he has 12 months left on his contract, but the chance are they're not going to let him walk for free. So they will trigger that 12 months. So realistically, he has a two-year deal currently at Atletico, which is why it's not going to be a cheap, you know, £10 million, which many people thought it would be to start with. But 
talking about fullbacks, before I move on to the central midfield position, Manchester United also look like they could let go of Tellez because he doesn't want to be a bench warmer. And, you know, he went in there thinking he was probably going to walk into the starting lineup, but Luke Shaw has become into his own whole different gravy right now in his current form. And Tellez just does not want to be that backup player. But so we're going to sell him. Who do we have left? If we go giving out Williams, you know, we may get triple, we may not. We have Shaw. I don't and get rid of Dallow out alone. I don't really know the depth we have if we don't get Trippier, especially in left back position. So it just, I'm just a bit confused with that logic. Unless we've got someone else lined up to sign, I don't know about you guys, but that just doesn't seem to make sense to me. Because I mean, I can't think of another left back. Yeah, I mean, as a Liverpool fan, I'm all about sort of square pegs into round holes because you ain't got any depth. So you know, this is this is out. This is in my wheelhouse. So I mean, I don't know if there's any midfielders that can play there, but I'm sure you know. I don't think Tellers will go, to be honest. Um, I think the, the player in the club will have a differing view on what they want. I think probably next year you'll see United to bring in a left-back or if Williams does go out on loan and it's a good spell, then Williams will come in and just straight away slot into that backup behind Shaw um, and Tellers will, will probably leave just on a permanent... I mean, how old is Tellers now? I don't really know, to be honest, but I don't think is he's very he... old, old. I think he's probably like mid-20s. Yeah, so, I mean, he'll, he won't want to spend the prime of his career on the bench at United, he'll want to play. You know, there, there's probably a ton of European clubs that would take Alex Tellers as their starting left back. I mean, everyone was so excited when he joined it, and it's not his fault that that Shaw's just turned into one of the best in the world. So it's not really he's not had a bad spell at United. It's just been unlucky with with sort of Shaw and in, in the way he stands in the hierarchy of it. So I think not this year, but next year probably Tellers. Will be part. I think the main point to say there is that Man United don't want to lose him. It is the player, I think, what I'm understanding is pushing for a deal to get out maybe on loan. But saying that, Jose was linked with him. Roma are not in the race for Tellez. Um, Fab tweeted it saying that they're not in the race for him or Matic. So no players are going to be following Jose, which is rare because Jose normally loves to take Matic with him. But they are going to, to, um, not going to Roma this time. So we'll move up the pitch to the central midfield position. The only other position that Man United really are looking to strengthen, I think, um, and obviously, with Saul, £45 million rumoured to be going around. And Fab said on his podcast, um, I think yesterday, said that Man United see this as one of the biggest opportunities of the transfer market. So they really want to get this deal through. They've obviously got right, they're getting rivaled by different, multiple different teams from around Europe. But Man United are definitely targeting this one. I think that's why they want the funds, £100 million for the 30 mil for Trippier and then the 45 for Saul. But Man United, are also, if that doesn't go through, that is their main priority. I want to stress that. They do want Saul as their number one. Neves, Ruben Neves at Wolves. They are their backup. They are interested, but so are Arsenal. And I think, similar to other transfers, I think if Neves shows that he would like to go to Arsenal, I think United will rule that out. I think United will not progress with Neves if he doesn't show things that he really wants to go. Because he did say in a press conference yesterday, I think, that he's really enjoying working under the new manager at Wolves. And he says he's a great manager, he's learning a lot. So, don't expect much from that. But Saul's definitely one to keep an eye on. But here's where I think United should focus. If we don't spend £30 million on Trippier, okay, and, you know, we nest some, maybe we miss out on Saul or we, we use the money elsewhere. Now, we need to remember Pogba could go this window for around £40 million, £40, £50 million. Now, I would use that money to buy Saul. Then if you sell the players, you still have £100 million. Now, funnily enough, Man City cannot sign both Grealish and Kane, right? And this will link nicely on Spurs coming up next. But 
It looks like Man City are probably going to sign Greenish. They've had a bid accepted, I'm pretty sure, from Aston Villa, so it's up to the players, choose a new contract on that. Now, if they don't, Kane has not turned up to tri two training sessions in a row. This guy wants out of there. There's no way he can just walk straight back in and be the player he was. Now, if he doesn't go Man City, he's going to be looking to go somewhere else. And I know I've just said that Man United don't want players who don't want to be there. But I don't think that I think they'd make an exception for someone like Harry Kane. So if they've got 100 million pounds just lying around, if they sell players, I think that would be madness not to inject that into that. I mean, I'm going to go to you on this one, um, Kieran. Do you not think that's logical? I mean, like you say, with the Manchester City, Grealish and Kane situation, it seems like they're pushing slightly more for Jack Grealish, probably because I'd imagine that the higher ups at Villa are much easier to negotiate with than Daniel Levy. Um, so with that bid looking like it's going to be accepted and now it's just down to Grealish and what he wants whether to sign that new contract or not it kind of leaves Kane um, just in the dark with what he's going to do um, of course the price tag that's been set on him is you know you're looking at more than £150 million um, which and, and a lot of people go around and say oh he's not worth that I think it's now in this day and age come more about what he's worth to the club and, you know, considering what happened last season, a very average Spurs team and where we finished, um, he won the Golden Boot and the Playmaker Award. So if you're doing that when your team is finishing, you know, outside of both the Europa League and Champions League places, you are worth that amount of money to them. Um, I really am quite disappointed that it's gone down this route because, you know, it's a handsome salary that he's on. His contract, new long-term one in until 2024, He's a Spurs player at the end of the day. He was told when to report back to training and he's refused to. And unfortunately, as a Spurs fan, this is something that I've experienced before with Gareth Bale and Luka Modric, both trying to force moves um, when they went to Real Madrid. At the time, those were more, you know, likely to happen. Here, it's, it's a question of Manchester City or no one, I think. Um, it's possible that United is the plan, but it's my understanding that it's more of a long-term idea for Manchester United and they're going to build up that sum and push for Harry Kane next season if he does remain a Spurs player. Um, so it's kind of difficult to come back from this, if I'm honest. Missing training for two days, um, a lack of pre-season, of course, just due to the, the Euros in England going so far. Um, you know, the season starts in less than two weeks. Um, and I, ironically, our first game is against Manchester City. Um, so whether that will be, and we spoke about this before, whether that will be with Kane or without Kane, it's a very good chance if he does play in that game or appears for one of the teams. I mean, it's 50-50 as to who it might be. Um, it's it's just looking a bit ugly at the moment, though, because with Manchester City pushing for Grealish, it looks like no one right now, before the season and transfer window ends and the season starts, no one could afford Harry Kane, which means he would remain a Spurs player. And then it's up to you know the decisions of Joe Lewis, Daniel Levy, Fabio Paratici, Nuno, um, to decide whether... It's enough to give him a second chance, or as many players have seen before, unfortunately, what happened to Danny Rose um, last season, remain in the reserves. And when you've got someone like Harry Kane in your squad, um, if his mind's not in it, then it's it's difficult to see how you would name him in, in the eleven. So I think right now, we should just sell him, because we've been pushed into this corner where if he does play for Spurs and stay at Spurs, he's not going to be happy. You know, that's just that's just the, the matter of how it is. It's These next three, four weeks are going to be so crucial to actually how our season goes. You know, I think we're past the stages of trying to convince him to stay. He's very adamant that he wants a new challenge. Um, 
i.e. to win trophies or have a better chance of winning trophies. Um, which, you know, the way United are rebuilding at the moment is completely understandable because they have a you know a far better chance than us. So I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he doesn't go in this window that that long-term plan um, that United have kind of portrayed on him comes to fruition. You say about the long-term plan and I think the main strike that United really want is Haaland. Um, I think they think that with Solskjaer, they've got a good chance of getting him um, in the next 12 months. They've got 12 months, you know, to build on that and then speak to him in January, try and get him down on that early sort of deal because £75 million pounds, um, is what I think his release clause will be, £75, £80 million pounds next summer. So I think that's their number one target. But I do think that if Pogba, now this all relies on if Pogba is sold, I think Man United may try, may try, I'm not saying get him, but will try and get Harry Kane. I think they'll try whatever, to be honest, <laughs> just chuck in a £20 million pound bid, see if it does it. But I think they will definitely try if Pogba is sold. But I think from what I understand, they are not going to replace Pogba as an attacking midfielder, a box box midfielder. They're going to try and get a, a defensive midfielder like Saul, like Neves, but they're not going to replace Pogba if Pogba goes with a box box midfielder. Their option number one was... Um, Leon, I'm going to say his name wrong again, Leon Goretzka. Is that right or wrong? Correct, yeah. Yes, look at that, that's success. That was their number one target because obviously he was going to be a free agent next year. But it looks like he's going to sign an extension with Bayern Munich. He's not going to be leaving there. So their number option two is Donny van der Beek and Lingard both stay and they both fight for that position and they use the exciting youth players coming through the ranks. That's what I understand. They're not going to try and sign a box box and builder to replace Paul Pogba. They're going to use the depth they have alongside Bruno and then with a new, you know, CDM. So whether or not that works, I don't know. But that's what I understand because they don't have the money to financially, you know, get in multiple positions. But going back to, before we move on to Spurs, going back to the Man City thing, I just want to say one thing. In my mind, you get Grealish, okay? He adds quality to that Man City team. He adds quality. But you've already got the likes of, you know, Sterling, Mahrez, you know, you've got, already got players. They're not really playing. I know they got to the Champions League final and they won the Premier League without an out-and-out striker because Aguero wasn't really in the picture and Jesus didn't really always play there. But if you add Greenish, you add depth and quality to where there already is depth. I think if you add Kane, you not only add quality, but that takes that squad to a whole nother level. And that is hard to do to that Man City team. Now, for, for me... If they can get, they have to pick one of them and they can definitely get Kane, i pick Kane. Because as good as Grealish is, he only adds depth to a position they've already already got. They haven't really got a number one striker. And I think that's where they need to target. So that's everything for my Man United roundup. And that's just leads in nicely back to Kane and back to, uh, back to Spurs because Kieran is loving life right now. <laughs> well, I've said my piece on Kane, to be honest, and you said a fair bit as well. So I think we can move on from that. Um, and... I get to talk about some good news now um, because I think I'm owed it after the, the start of the week that Spurs fans have had. Um, so, Christian Romero, Atalanta's Serie A Defender of the Year, uh, looks very, very likely now to, to join Spurs after negotiations that have lasted for about two to three weeks now. Um, initially, the pricing was, um, I think, around £40 million for him. Obviously, that kind of, with add-ons as well, would rise. Um, there was some slight stalling um, with Atalanta looking for a replacement um, and understanding that there was kind of more money in the market to, to be sold for him, um, especially with you know Spurs. I remember just briefly as like a bargaining chip looking at Nikola, uh, Nikola Milenkovic from Fiorentina, obviously looking at Takahiro Tomiyasu who's at the Olympics currently um, as a way of bargaining to try and work with that price. But Atalanta, to be fair to them, hold firm. Um, 
they set their target at 50 million, um, and it now looks like that is what Spurs will be playing. It's uh, paying. It's 50 million euros. So into the conversion rate, it's about 42.7 million guaranteed to Atalanta. Um, add-ons possibly rising that to around you know 55, 56 million euros. Um, so all in all, I would say a pretty good deal. Um, obviously, was that Juventus had a two-year loan deal um, at Atalanta with a clause set in that contract of around 60 million for Atalanta to buy him permanently after that two-year loan, which ironically was set up by Fabio Paratici as one of his last duties as Juventus' sporting director. Uh, so it's funny how that's worked out. Um, but now it looks like Atalanta are going to be signing their replacement. Um, and that was kind of the one thing that was just holding the deal back. So Fabrizio Romano obviously tweeting that, you know, the final details are just being confirmed. The personal terms were done two to three weeks ago. And Romero was heavily pushing for that move to Spurs. He spoke to the Atalanta manager, uh, Gasparini, on Monday at their, their first training session back, obviously, with him being at the Copper America. Um, suggesting that you know he was very very interested in joining Spurs and leaving, uh, and sees it as his his kind of golden opportunity. And when you've got a defender that good, who's saying that playing for Spurs is his golden opportunity, you do absolutely everything you can to sign him. And it looks like you know that's what Spurs have done. Um, so one thing I can just say is God bless Fabio Paratici because that man. Uh, has been needed at this club for a fair few years now. Um, Daniel Levy is not a football man. He's a businessman um, who has unfortunately been making football decisions. And it's cost us at times. Um, just looking at, you know, five, six, seven seasons ago, Jack Grealish was available to Spurs for around four or five million. You look at his price tag now, Manchester City are paying a hundred million. But no, Levy tried to, to negotiate a better deal. Um, and that obviously was then put in the bin so now look at us um, so I'm, I'm very happy to know that Paratici is making those footballing decisions he's obviously seen Romero at Juventus Serie A Defender of the Year um, won the Copa America alongside Giovanni Lo Celso um, this summer so all in all um, and this might be my bias but I think that he will have a I hope he will have a Van Dijk uh, Ruben Diaz effect maybe not to the extent of immediately kind of winning player of the season and, and challenging for, you know, the highest level of trophies. But he's only 23. Um, there's plenty of years left in him. And if we can build that defence around him, I really do think that, you know, we, we have places to go. Um, obviously, coming from Atalanta, it leads nicely into someone we've already signed in, uh, Pierluigi, uh, Pierluigi Gallini, um, on a, another loan deal with a, an op option to buy or obligation to buy, should I say. It seems like they are the deals that are are quite promising at the moment, especially with everyone's finances being hit by um, coronavirus. So on the whole, from what has gone from being one of our worst assets in our defence and obviously Hugo Lloris, you know, not getting any younger, unfortunately, um, now seems like we're building very strongly for the future. And, and hopefully we could return to, the, you know, prime Toby Alderweireld and Jan Vertonghen. Uh, obviously now both left the club, Alderweireld most recently heading to the, to the Middle East. Um, so... Looking at you know your guys' defenses and your teams, um, it was fair to say that Spurs weren't even close to the level that United and Liverpool had or have now. So I just wanted to get your take on on maybe opinions slightly changing in that you know now that it looks like Romero is is very close to joining Gallini now a keeper for the future um, and a rapper, of course. Um, what you now think of Spurs' defense? 
it's it was a very important signing for Spurs because I mean I like Joe Rodan, I think Joe Rodan's quite good, but I don't think Sanchez is all that, especially if you want to be pushing for, for Europe. He's probably just a bit too mistake prone from the times I've seen him, maybe that's a bit unfair, but from the times I've seen him, I've not seen it from him. And and Romero is a good signing. I mean, I'm not gonna act like I'm a Serie A expert, but you know, when you win the player defender of the year there, whatever player of the year that means that you are good. <laughs> that just that just means you're good and you've done well. You're coming on form, which is very important, especially when you're coming to a team that is out of form in the way Spurs have been. So Romero comes in with that positive. He's just won something. He's just won Copa America. He's coming with experience of playing in big games, winning big competitions. So that can only really be a good thing. And 23, did you say? You know, that's a lot to build on and build around for, for the next, for the future. So yeah, I think, you know, it's a great signing. Obviously, Diaz and Van Dijk are the, are, the, are the blueprint for what your defender performances should be. But, I mean, if he can even do kind of three quarters of what he has, then I think Spurs run to a winner there. Are you just, you just agree with all that? <laughs> no, my, uh, my, my uh, thing was lagging a little bit, so I was kind of behind, so I couldn't tell it was finished. No, I was going to say, I think it's a good signing. Um, I definitely think you need to strengthen that position. You, it was an ageing defence. But what I want to focus on the fact is that Liverpool have really just started a trend. They brought in Van Dijk. Everyone saw what Van Dijk, the Van Dijk effect, did to that entire team. And everyone's just gone, I want a bit of that. So Man Let's City went the trend first. As well. Man City went well, first, second, following um, Liverpool, first half Liverpool with Diaz. Man United have gone, yeah. Moran will get that. And now you've gone, yeah, Romero will have that. So it's, it's just funny to see that everyone knows the massive effect that Van Dyke's had. And I think everyone's trying to just replicate that a little bit. And they're trying to get fit that around their team. And I think, you know, it's a great signing for, um, for Spurs. I mean, I'm a little bit shocked, though, at the fact they've spent that much. Because I swear, and I'm really glad, can I just say, I've been thinking that I'm not a Spurs fan. Because the names you were saying, I was thinking, God, I couldn't say <laughs> them. Um, the Japanese guy... You just wait. You just wait. There's a few more. The Japanese guy that you said that, you know, they were looking at, and they, I'm pretty sure they pulled out of that. I swear he was only, like, 18, 20 million pounds. So I swear that now they've gone to 50 million pounds. They can't have rated that guy very much. Because they clearly had the money there to spend. Yeah, well, that that's the interesting thing, actually. Um, Tommy Asu obviously wouldn't have, I don't think, the similar effect that uh, Romero would have on the, on Spurs' defence playing in league and just kind of. I think he's only had one season of proper um, first team football at a senior level. He's only, I think, he's nineteen twenty, so you know, he's still a, a young age. But that's kind of gone now, just because of. Well, we've seen that there's this deal for, you know, pro- probably soon to be one of the best defenders in the world, fingers crossed, um, available at, you know, a somewhat decent price. But like you said, with, you know, players wanting to join Man United, that is the thing I like the most about this deal, is Romero is so eager to play for Spurs. I don't know what he's been watching, but I mean, whatever it is, I'll have some. Um, but the fact that there's that desire to play for Spurs is great. And, you know, let's be honest... That stadium is there as a ploy to, you know, get bigger events. The NFL, the boxing, um, things that will bring in a hefty amount of revenue. But it is a football stadium and footballers want to play in the best stadiums. And that is one of the best stadiums in Europe. So as much as, as ridiculous as it sounds, the stadium is an enticing factor. You know, it, it is. Um 
That's all you got You're to do. Look, we have a great stadium. Don't look at our trophy cabinet. Just look at that grass. They hide that. Yeah, Gallini in his first interview was talking about how fantastic it was to play in this kind of stadium. Um, and that's coming from someone who played in Italy, where some of the stadiums and the atmospheres there, obviously, more recently, that hasn't been the case, but are fantastic. So, you know, I, I think it's a, it's looking up for us defensively. In terms of offensively, um, quite a quite an exciting um, acquisition as well. I have to be honest, I can't say I'd heard of him before we were interested in him. Um, and it did very much kind of just happen out of nowhere. But um, a swap deal between Sevilla and Tottenham, Brian Gill going towards uh, North London, Eric Lamella going the other way alongside uh, 25 million. Um, initially, when I read it, I thought Sevilla were paying us um, Brian Gill and 25 million. And I thought, oh my God. Fabio Paratici is a godsend. I soon realised it was the other way around. Uh, nonetheless, um, someone who is very, very highly rated in, in Spain, had a brilliant season on loan um, with Ibar, is currently away um, at the Olympics with Spain. Very direct, very talented, very skillful, very young as well. Um, surely only, you know, the sky is the limit for this player. You know, I think he's got a very similar technical ability to um, maybe not very similar slightly similar technical ability to Lionel Messi um, is that sort of player with a fantastic yeah that's why I changed what I said <laughs> uh, a, a kind of that kind of flair player looks like out of nowhere he can spark into life um, some of the questions that obviously have been asked is just how how he would adapt to the Premier League more physical league someone who's quite um, lean um Fantastic pace, a very direct player though. So I, I do think that he will be fine. It might take a few months, but I think we've got a real player on our hands here. Um, and going the other way, <sighs> Eric Lamella was one of those players who, on his day, which he found very rarely, might I add, was very fun to watch. And and, and that was another thing as well, is similar to his, well, his, his national teammate in Romero, always wanted to play, always gave 100% in the shirt, sometimes a bit too much. It led to him being booked or sent off. But it was that desire, that bite that just kind of got all his teammates alongside him. So it is a shame to see him go, but, you know, it, seven, eight years at the club and not too much to show for it, unfortunately. Um, plagued with injuries during the middle. I think he missed, you know, over a year, um, having, I think, two hip operations. So it, it kind of faltered his Spurs career there. But someone who I look back on and always be thankful that, you know, he every single time he put the shirt on, he, he gave everything for Spurs. Um, so it's a shame to see him go. But, you know, unfortunately, kind of similar to how I look at a few other players, uh, he was somewhat dead wood. Um, and, you know, that's the mentality that we need to remove. And you talk about United needing to kind of overhaul that squad trying to sell 10, 10 players Spurs are doing something similar with Moussa Sissoko Eric Dyer, Serge Aurier Lucas Moura and Davidson Sanchez um, all available this summer at the right price um, so being said Sissoko has had some interest um, from the Middle East but he's back in training with Spurs um, it's a hope that he will be sold this summer um, Harry Winks is another one who's had interest from Premier League clubs as well I think Everton was the quiet um, defensively Eric Dyer and Serge Aurier my understanding is that Aurier would like a return back to France obviously that's where we purchased him from Eric Dyer is 
it's still a bit of an unknown entity at the moment. Um, obviously, quite well liked by Jose Mourinho, but I don't think there's anything there at the moment. Um, and then Davinson Sanchez, of course, was heavily linked with Sevilla um, in the swap deal with Jules Koundé. Um, everything, it seemed, was there. The price was there. The, the swap deal was there. It was just kind of the opposite to what Romero wanted. You know, he wanted to join Spurs and understandably, Koundé wanted to play Champions League football. Uh, I don't hold anything against him for that. He was going to play it at Sevilla and has played it at Sevilla. He was called up to a very talented French squad um, and now it looks like he's going to join the European champions. On to some hopeful incomings, um, talking about the outgoings there, you know, hopefully raising some funds to bring in some, some more players, um, kind of focusing more on the front line now, especially with Romero hopefully done and Gallini done as well. Um, more recently, um, Spurs have been interested in Fiorentina striker uh, Dusan Vlahovic. Um, 21 years old, uh, has been described by his former uh, for, former Italian international Christian Vieri as possibly the next best striker in Europe. Um, around 20 goals last season for Fiorentina. A very, very talented player. Um, you know, it's easy to, to say, oh, you, you watch certain highlights and you can see goals and how good they are. But obviously that show, only shows you a snippet of, um, of their ability. But this man has got one hell of a left foot. Um, he's probably slightly expensive, though, for, for our price range. Um, he's currently valued around £51 million. Arsenal also interested in him, especially with um, the unknown surrounding Alexandra Lacazette's future at the Emirates. Um, but the aim that Paratici wanted, someone that he's he's looked at at Juventus um, and liked the look of, was to play him alongside Harry Kane. Um, now, I, I find that interesting in two ways, in that I don't think Harry Kane is very good. Obviously, he's very good. Uh, I don't think he's very good. He's better <laughs> as a lone striker than as part of a partnership. Um, you can say what you want about, obviously, Son... Um, their partnership, but that's more of a understanding, a duo, as opposed to a straight left striker, right striker sort of combination. Um, it was tried a few times with Vinicius last season, who's also left-footed, and it, at times it just looked a bit awkward. Um, and also, I'm, I'm unsure as to where Spurs are going to get 50 million, to £51 million pounds for, uh, from signing Romero. The players they're selling, they're not really obtaining that level of fee. Um, we've already spent, you know, including Romero, around £80 million. Um, on funds uh, this season of course only earned half not even close to half that back with out of RL's fee to, to play in the Qatar League looking at around five six million um, so it, it's interesting to see especially if the the idea is to play him alongside Kane um, I would have thought it would have been not necessarily a direct replacement but someone that you can definitely bring in were we to sell Harry Kane this summer um, another player um, in that attacking position that we have been interested in um, is Danny Ings. Um, kind of heavy rumours for him going to Spurs a few weeks ago with his decline to sign a new contract with Southampton. Um, unfortunately, the problem mostly surrounding that is that his contract demands are slightly too high, um, is the understanding at Spurs. Um, so the interest has kind of cut down on him, but he is definitely one of the options that, that Spurs are looking at. But I'd imagine that he will probably ride out his Southampton contract um, because it looks like no one can necessarily um, afford what the price tag they've put on him. And if they can, it's it's the player demands that are, are becoming a bit of a struggle. Um, so I'd expect Danny Ings to possibly be a free agent next summer. Um, and someone who Spurs have not been linked with at all. But I think 
and we've we've come on to the opinion section, but I think would be a fantastic signing, really. Um, someone who could probably develop under Nuno as well is Matthias Pereira. Um, someone who clearly does not want to be at West Brom at the moment. He's not in uh, the new manager's plans. He's had a lucrative offer, again, from the Middle East. It's just now, it's kind of entering that ugly situation um, that Spurs are experiencing with Kane. West Brom are now experiencing with uh, Pereira. Main reasons for this is, you know, we of course we brought in Ndombele and Lacelso as central midfielders, slightly more box to box, but neither of them have really set the world alight in front of goal and what they can do with assists. So I would consider Pereira um, the Ericsson replacement. You know, we still have not replaced our Danish playmaker who was fantastic for four or five years, especially under Pochettino. And I think Pereira could be, um, in terms of funds, it could be quite difficult, but. As I've kind of outlined already, despite Spurs stating at the start of the window that to buy players, they would need to raise funds from selling players. It seems like we have not got a problem um, with raising the funds currently. Um, so he's someone I'd very much like to see in a Spurs shirt. Uh, it, it's whether or not, though, the demands are met in terms of that. And I'd imagine that his personal fee uh, and the wages he'll be on um, in the Middle East is probably slightly more than... Spurs would like to pay, um, or any Premier League club for that matter. It's more the fee that's stopping him from moving out there. But at the end of the day, I mean, it would be someone who I'd like to see. Um, on the whole, busy time at Spurs at the moment, to say the least. Um, ingoings, outgoings wise. I'd say, you know, before um, Kane not turning up to training on Monday, we were in quite a good position. Obviously, that's changed now. Um, kind of in terms of my final thoughts I don't really expect us to challenge for top four if I'm completely honest um, I, I would looking at you know how other squads have recruited and well minus the recruitment how much better their squad was than ours even before the, the players that they've signed joining um, I'd be happy with fifth sixth um, because I do think that there is comfortably four teams better than us um, and Leicester at the moment are just recruiting Wonder kids, it seems. Um, the Kane stuff is a bit sour, of course, but I, I I can say I'm surprised and not at the same time. I did think he would push for a move and really try to have that ambition, especially with the gentleman's agreement that he had with Daniel Levy, that if he did want that move, he would be granted it for the right price. I just don't think he's necessarily gone about it in the right way. He's still a Spurs player. He's still contracted to play for this club. He was told when to report to training and he disobeyed that. You know, I've seen people comparing it to, you know, you're paid this much amount of money to turn up to your job on a Monday morning and you don't turn up because you want to move to the rival company. You know, if you imagine that in business terms, it sounds absolutely ludicrous. So why does that then change in this scenario? Um, he's still paid by us. He still represents our club and, and our players. Um, it's just a shame how the situation's gone. Um, and if I'm honest, right now, I think actually our best bet is to just sell him this summer, give him what he wants, um, because I don't see how he can play for us this season after what's happened. I mean, you said about having to sell players to raise funds. I, I think you're going to keep buying players if you sell Kane, because that's going to be one hell of a lot of funds <laughs> coming in. So, I mean, 
just talking about uh, one of the incomers there. Ings is a great player, but if you don't get him, you know, I think the Florentina guy, I'm not going to try and say his name. I've not really seen much of him. I've seen a couple clips. But can I just say, all right, not that this is really any re relevant. I had him on FM and he was sick. I, kn I knew you were going to say <laughs> that. I, 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 honestly, and I've seen a couple clips of him in real life and he has got one hell of a finish on him. So I would love to see him in the Premier League. Um, I'm not seeing that much of him. I don't care. He's not going to go to Man U. I don't care if it's at Tottenham or Arsenal, but I want to see him in the Premier League because I honestly do think that guy is going to be a massive, massive um, star in the future. You'll care when he's banging hat-tricks past you. <laughs> I'll be watching it, Kevin, what a guy. <laughs> we're not, not going to concede hat-tricks. We've got Moran now in defence. I don't know why you're chatting. The, the thing is with Spurs, when, when Kane does go, or if he does go, then they're not just losing your best player. You're, you, you're losing your star, almost like style of play. Does that make sense? Like the, Everything's built around making sure Kane is, is the best player. You know, make sure Kane gets on it, gets on the ball and can work with it. When you're with Vlahovic, you're not quite getting that. I mean, he is, and, and most strikers, they are just strikers. You know, Kane is sort of more than a striker. He's he's combined with an attacking fielder, but you, you'd have to switch up your style of play, which is why I think Pereira is a great shout for um, the player Spurs could get. Because they probably do, I mean, I know Ndombele and the Celso are probably quite capable of it. They probably, not, when if Kane does leave, they need a 10. Because they can't, just, they need to replace their attacking they need to replace Kane in two ways with a striker and an attacking midfielder. So Pereira would be a great shout. And I, I can't imagine a fee being too much considering that they're in the championship now. Mm. I mean, it wouldn't be cheap. It wouldn't be like five million, but 25, 30 million for someone that was putting up very good numbers, similar to kind of what Buendia was doing when he was at um, Norwich in the Premier League. Obviously, he's now earned a move to Aston Villa. So I, I think that could be a great shout. You say you say about Kane going, you lose style of play as well. I don't think it's a bad thing to be honest. I think look at the positives here: a new manager, a nude sporting director, or a football director, or whatever you want in coming in, all right. And then that's going to bring a new style of play. Yeah, we've said it a while back with the whole messy thing. Maybe it'll be good for them. And yes, losing Kane is massive. He's been your star man for for God knows how long now, and it's going to be a massive loss, and no one's going to be able to replace him. But it's like a fresh start. If he goes, it's a fresh start. You'll see new style of play. You'll bring see new players coming in. And yeah, okay, it might not work, but it's a whole new... It'll feel like a whole new club in a way, you know, and it'll have a good feeling because you'll have all the bad blood of Kane going and you'll have a new style of playing. And who knows? Maybe this is what you need. Mm, yeah. No, yeah. I, I had a... My only other thought with Spurs before we move on to Liverpool. I mean, not much going on with Liverpool, to be honest, but... But before we do that, my idea, I mean, I know he's been injured and had a horrible injury for last year, but when Nuno was appointed, and obviously everyone talked with Kane's been all summer, I was thinking, Raul Jimenez. That, you know, if you're looking for kind of who's the most similar player to Kane in the Premier League, it probably is him. And obviously that relationship with Nuno, obviously, but obviously the most important thing is he's recovered from his injury well, he's playing well, but he's back in training. So I was just like, maybe I that's a shout for yeah. I think he featured in one of Wolves preseason games for the first time. He's actually played, you know, minutes. Yes, and I mean, it's Wolves. A lot of Wolves' attacking play revolved around him in a similar way to Kane. So he's used to having that pressure on the shoulders. So I mean, working with better players that could benefit him. A manager that really trusts him. I mean, so it was just, I mean, it's just an idea. But I mean, Raúl Jiménez. I mean, Daniel, if you're watching, I think that's a good shout. If you want to go. <laughs> We move on to Liverpool. I mean, it's. I mean, the thing is, Liverpool and transfer windows. You know, it's all very blunt. It's all we're, they're either doing it or they're not. You know, you'll find out from them. If not, then they ain't gonna. They're not gonna do it. Um, any rumours are probably not true, or they'll get shut down very quickly. We'll start with the, the departures. 
because that's been one of Liverpool's main focuses. Michael Edwards has actually received a lot of criticism from not the fans, but from the board for not letting um, a lot of the players go that we needed to let go last year and not being able to sell them. So that's, this year, that's been the focus. I only sold three players so far and let one go on a free. Um, Harry Wilson going to Fulham, I mean, that made sense. I think it was never going to break into Liverpool's team. Tywil Womney was a weird one because we spent about seven years trying to get him a work permit and the first chance we got, when he got approved, we sold him. But it's what it is. Gruwich, um had a great spell at Porto last year, was never again going to break into our team and um, ended up letting him go. And then Wijnaldum was obviously the big one off the PSG on a free transfer. He didn't extend his contract. Um, and he has moved to PSG. He's a great player and someone that Liverpool need to replace. We will get into that. But we'll just quickly move. Before I talk about the other potential outgoings, we'll talk about the one incoming we have had, which is Ibrahim Okonate uh, from RB Leipzig for 36 million. I think that's a great, I think it's a great signing. Obviously, last year, we didn't replace Lovren. He's not a Lovren replacement. We didn't replace Lovren when we sold him. And <laughs> that cost us quite a bit in terms of, uh, you know, 22 different centre-back partnerships last year. It was incredibly unlucky. But we, we lacked that fourth man at centre-back. And now Ibrahim Okonate comes in. He actually overtakes everyone and becomes our second man at, at centre-back next to Van Dijk. Only Van Dijk is obviously above him because he's the best centre-back in the world. But 22, we're working with Van Dijk, from a club that have played in big games, played in European, he's got experience. He might he's powerful, he's strong, he's a good defender. Um and I think I think Kanate, before we get into sort of potential stuff, what do you guys think about the Kanate signing? Because I think it's really good. I think it was needed. Um I think that was made clear by last year. But um yeah it's not just a signing which is needed. I mean you're saying replacing Lovren. I mean Lovren was, you know, a bit you know Yeah, no not a direct replacement, but like um, another number. This guy is someone that, you know, a lot of people were looking at him, to be honest. He was one of the most in-demand young, young defenders. And, I mean, he's still very young, is he not? 21, 22? 22. Yeah. 22. Um, he's still very young. And so he's got a huge, huge thing, uh, a future ahead of him. And to be fair, there's probably not a better partnership than having someone of, you know, the mental and the maturity of Van Dyke to sort of guide him. Because I think he could be like your Van Dyke in the future. He's got so much potential. I've not seen him play very much, to be honest. I've seen highlights. I've seen a little bit of him here and there. But, I mean, everyone wanted him. I'm pretty sure Man United were watching him for quite a while and I think most of Europe's top elite were. So, you know, it kind of, it's under the radar because it was kind of completed before the window even started. So, you kind of forget about it. So, I mean, you know, you're talking about not having anyone on the radar at the minute. Maybe they're just pulling a couple of them, you know, in the darkness and you're going to have an absolute signing on on the horizon. But yeah, no, a great signing um, and your defence just got even better as long as it stays fit. Actually, I don't, know why, I don't know why I'm crossing my fingers. Don't stay fit. Yeah, I'll be honest, I forgot about it as well until you mentioned it because obviously it was done so early on. At that price, um, the ability he already has and the ceiling that he could probably get to is a brilliant signing. Very, very jealous of it. Um, and as Ollie said, perfectly put next to Van Dyke, I think he's only going to get better and better working under someone like Jurgen Klopp as well. He can develop him. Um, and it's quite scary that that centre back partnership now. You know, you you looked at, you know, Joe Gomez and, and Joel Matic. Gomez is still, of course, young, still somewhat fully transitioning into being a reliable centre back. Of course, I think for a while he was had a spell as a right back, somewhat a bit of a hot temper on him as well. So I think Van Dyke can do a great job of developing those two. Um, and obviously Joel Matip as well, who is a bit injury-ridden at the moment. So to have that 
security and backup. Um, of course, you really could have done with it last season, um, but you, you couldn't have predicted what could have happened. Um, but no, for the future and for the now, fantastic acquisition. Yeah, I mean, it's reported that him and Matic will start the first game against um, Norwich. Obviously, Van Dijk still coming back from injury, played his first minutes. And him and Joe Gomez both played their first minutes against Herfer in a preseason friendly. Van Dijk made a mistake, but I mean, that's not important. You've not played for like a year, so you can kind of allow that when you first come back. But um, So moving on to kind of the outgoing, talking about centre-backs, we have now, we have about seven or eight centre-backs that we don't, we don't need that many, which is maybe a bit too, maybe can't say that after last season. Could have done with about eight last year, but... Reese Williams, the talk was him going out on loan. Nothing's really happened with that. A lot of talk about Nat Phillips leaving. Um, at first, it was Burnley, which just makes sense because it just he looks like the most to club. Player <laughs> 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 to club. I mean, I thought as soon as I saw Nat Phillips, like he's going Burnley at some point, but hasn't come yet. And then it was Brighton when Ben White left, but they've said that they're going to be looking within for the, his replacement. So that's not happened. Um, in terms of elsewhere in midfield, Ben Davis is another defender. I mean, people forget that he even exists, but he does, and he does play for Liverpool. Um, hopefully he can find a move that allows him some first-team football because he's just not going to get it at Liverpool. Um, and then in midfield, it was uh, Chamberlain is someone that we've been trying to sell again. The problem with these players, there's not much interest in, in a lot of these players. It's the same with Origi and it, it is kind of similar with Shaqiri. Shaqiri's on a big wage you know, for, for a club for a club at Lazio, I think, with a team that was interested in him. So I don't know if that's going to be possible, but it's another player we're looking to move on. And I'm sure there's probably one or two that are escaping my mind. I think Keita... Keita is a really weird one um, in terms of he every season we go it's going to be you know nabby season right now you know, everyone get prepared he's going to be really good and then he doesn't he gets injured and sometimes he flatters to deceive when he plays when he's really when he's on it he's very good but it's just that consistency and I think it, this season is going to be the make or break you know I thought that was going to be last season but clearly not um, if he can stay fit because he's had undergone a bit of a physical sort of transformation in terms of getting stronger and trying not to get injured as much obviously. Um, and the other one was Nico Williams, but I, I read today the interest in that has completely cooled. There's not many clubs that want to get him for 10 million, so I think it will probably end up with him staying and remaining back up to, to Trent. Um, in terms of potential incomings, there's not really too many. Obviously, in attack, we're lacking a little bit. Yotta obviously, is a huge acquisition. Harvey Elliott coming back from Blackburn, huge. The only player I've really seen fully linked to Liverpool is Jonathan David from Lille, um, who's 21 years old, Canadian, someone that we've been looking at for a while and Lil and what works with this one I was just looking at his stats on FB Ref which is a website that gives you loads of stats good websites but almost as good as 12football.com um, but the the pressure the pressures is the thing that stood out in terms of he's in the top 90, he's 93% pressures per 90 minutes I mean that is very good 19.59 you know what that means but it looks good um, <laughs> and a lot of interceptions a lot of pass completions a lot of you know sort of fits into the style without having played for so he could be a very good, I'm pretty sure he's a very, he's a central player, but can play on the wings. Versatility is something that we really like, the fluidity. And coming off winning the league with Lille, that title winning experience, I mean, it doesn't mean too much, but it does mean a bit. You know, we're trying to win the title again. We're trying to get back up there. Lille have just upset the whole of France. Everyone expects Man City to win the league. Can we get back in there? Someone like David, who is young, got something to prove, attacking, energetic player could really be a great signing for us. I, I'll be honest when I say I don't know the fee um, that Liverpool will, will pay for him, but I, I imagine it will be 30, 35, 40. Someone Lil Lil have been very happy to sell their players. I was going to, I made a note of players players that we've previously been linked with that we're not going to get. Renato Sanchez was one of them. For 30 million, we, we're not going to explore that, but it does show that Lil are ready to sell their players. They're, they're up for it. 
So, I mean, it could be a great, great signing for us if we if we can pull it off. Now, midfield is the position we, we really need because Wijnaldum, we didn't have a player like Wijnaldum. He's a, he's a progressive player, ball carrier, just a very important player to our to our plans and to how we play. I mean, even when he was leaving, he was still starting very regularly. And while Curtis Jones is, is fantastic and we want to see more of him, also on the other side, you've got a Milner who's um, not getting any younger. Henderson, the contract talks with that has been stalling. I mean, he's, he's more of a box to box now. So he does kind of get held in that same regard. And then it, it falls again to Naby Keita not really being able to solidify his place in the first team. So the, the three players that we've really been linked with, um, the first one we spoke about already, Sal, Sal Niguez. I mean, we all know how good he is. It seems like any any top midfielder, if, if a club, if any top club needs a midfielder, you know, you better call Saul because he is the man right now for, for everyone here. Um, <laughs> um, the other player is uh, Manuel Locatelli. Um, everyone knows how fantastic he has had a superb Euros at Italy, a superb season with um, Sassuolo. Obviously, the obvious one is for him to go to um, Juventus, but Liverpool and Arsenal battling out. Juventus might not quite have the funds to pull the deal off. So that's when Liverpool and Arsenal come in. I mean, if you can get Locatelli, I mean, that you're getting some player there. It's, it's, it's a different player to um, Wijnaldum in the sense that he's probably not going to, while his progressive carries are quite strong, he's not he's not going to be as sort of fluid as Wijnaldum is. But in terms of a passer, and Liverpool have always, with the Thiago sign, it kind of looked to a change of style, not to be that whole 100, 100%, 100 mile an hour, just press, press, press. It's more of a, we're going to have more of the ball here. And now we need to break you down. That kind of so we saw that last season in good and bad. When Thiago played well, it was good. When the attack played bad, it, it looked bad. You know, it looked like we were a team caught in transition. So Locatelli could be another signing that points towards a slightly more not conservative approach, but a more possession first approach as, as opposed to just pressing up and kind of getting in teams' faces and hitting them on the break. So Locatelli and the other one, if you check out the transfer news live page on Monty Football, you'd have seen this. Um, Guido Rodriguez, I can't say I heard this guy in my life, but I looked him up on FBRF and his defensive stats are very good compared to the midfielders and the men in the top five leagues in the world. So um, I'm, I think that would be a more Fabinho replacement if he was to come in. A lot of tackles, interceptions, blocks, clearances, tackles won, you know, pressures, aerials won. So that would, that to me, just by looking at that, looks like a Fabinho replacement. And, to be fair, we don't really have a backup to Fabinho outside of Henderson. So that could also suggest a movement away from Henderson due to the contract talks negotiate, you know, not, not going as well. And obviously he's now a more box-to-box player. So, I mean, depth, I mean, all, all we want is depth as, as Liverpool fans. It's, it's all we ever need. It's every chance of we only depth, depth, depth. But I think that could be a, a really good sign. I don't know what you guys think. I mean, I, um, well, obviously when I wrote the piece earlier, was looking into him and he, I think he signed last season for three million euros to um, Real Betis. And I'm pretty sure uh, they're now looking for around 30 million euros. So that's 10 times what they paid 12 months ago. But if you're actually looking at his release clause, it's 80 million euros. So they clearly thought that this guy was going to be going places to sign someone for three million euros and then have put a you know release clause of 80 million on there. It's a it's a massive increase. But um, yeah, like you said, I don't really know much about him. He kind of came out of the blue. But for me, that normally means he's a good player because it normally means they've taken time to actually fully scout this person and they thought, you know what, this person under the radar, get him a bit more on the cheap, and he fully fits our um, tactics. So. 
I'd like to see that happen to me because I like seeing a player brought in that I've never heard of and then they just shock me because I'm like, this guy's good. So, yeah, I, I don't really have much more to say to be honest because Liverpool haven't really got much going on for them. <laughs> I mean, the thing well, is... I'm oh, sorry. I was going to say that <laughs> in the midfield situation and with Liverpool, there is like a lot going on, but there's not at the same time, mm. if you know what I mean. Like, nothing is really at that advanced stage. Um after what happened with the Vinaldum contract situation, I was surprised to hear what happened with Henderson as well, and kind of seems a bit worrying as well, especially with you know him being the club captain and such an important figure in that squad. Um, but someone you you touched on nearer the start, that I wanted to delve into a bit more is Harvey Elliott. Um, I think he's going to have quite um, the role to play this season, and I just wanted to kind of ask you then. He almost must feel like a new signing. Um. Kind of, not really. I think because he kind of had a little flirt with the first team kind of yeah. um, two seasons ago. But I, Harvey Elliott is someone, if you've seen Harvey Elliott play, you're excited about what Harvey Elliott can do. He is I, someone I just that to, has... Just to chip in there. Um, when Wolves under-23s played Liverpool under-23s that I watched, he scored a bicycle kick from a corner. <laughs> you want to go and yeah. search out on YouTube because it is quite remarkable. Sorry, that's just <laughs> that's what I mean I mean Harvey Elliott is a player that if you've seen you're excited about he's fantastic he, and Blackburn he was you know 18 years old playing in the championship I think may have been 17 at the start of that loan spell I can't remember if he yeah I think so I mean goes joins Blackburn as a 17 year old and just impresses everyone all the Blackburn fans are really big on him and, and they're saying look Blackburn is saying look we can't replace this guy he's just he's a bit of a level above what we can get you know we cannot replace Harvey Elliott so that already goes to show in the level below, he's a level above. And that level above is the Premier League. So with that being said, with Liverpool's sort of lack of movement in attack, it's going to be important. I was going to touch on the fact that it looks like Liverpool are going to stick with Minamino after the, his bad loan spell at Southampton, but is what it is. Um, I'd heard rumours that Chamberlain's going to be uh, for backup to Firmino this season. Uh, that made me want to cry, but it is what it is. <laughs> Um, Kabak was another player that um, we've not, for some reason, not brought in. Was they, Schalke, I'm surprised no one in the Premier League is looking at Kabak, to be honest. Schalke are willing to let him go on a free transfer due to their poor finances. I'm pretty sure and, I'm and, and, Palace are looking at him. Uh, if I'm Palace, I'm, I'm doing it. I think Palace are good now. They've signed... Um, yeah, they've signed Anderson. Haven't Anderson and uh, from Chelsea. Um, Great, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, I can remember, I think, yeah, I've read a couple of days about that they were interested. In, but, um, well, they were definitely centre-backs because they've let all of their contracts expire. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll touch on sort of Palace. I think we'll do a Premier League preview as the next pop because, I mean, there's so much to talk about with other transfer windows. But focusing back on Kabak, I'm so surprised that he has not gone anywhere because I would have taken him at Liverpool, I mean, for free. I mean, I know it's not FIFA or football manager, but you could loan him out. There's surely going to be a club that wants him elsewhere on, on, a, on a temporary deal. Let him grow. And when Matip or someone else, we let go of Phillips. You know, one of them comes in, we have a ready-made replacement there. So I was surprised about that. The only other things I was really going to touch on was the contract extensions is a big part of our transfer window this year. Um, obviously, Trent got a new deal, a new long-term deal, I think for 2025, I want to say. The Henderson contracts have stalled. I think maybe there's more to it that meets the eye in terms of sort of his involvement with the Super League and sort of his going against that and FSG's role in the Super League and <laughs> their push for it, whereas Hender was... The sort of the, the leader of the pushback from the Premier League um, captains and players in Liverpool squad. So that was a that might be more more to play there, but that is just alleged like rumours, it's talk. The other players Liverpool are planning on, on getting new contracts for, I mean it's not going to surprise anyone. Alisson, Fabinho, Van Dijk, Salah, Mane, Robertson. 
So it does show a sort of intent to tie down the, the main players, the, the, the big the big names. And that might lead to a lack of transfer activity because this it's not cheap to, to extend these contracts. So that might be the reason why Liverpool have been a little bit slow. And the other reason Liverpool might be a little bit slow. And the last thing I will mention before, before to stop, to stop talking about Liverpool um, will be that I've read that next season is the summer for Liverpool where they see a lot of opportunity for movement. They see a lot of um, a chance to be really sort of clinical with the transfer because that's how Liverpool and Michael Edwards have worked for, for the longest time. It's very, we want him, we'll get him. If they don't want it, you know, we're not going to bother. We're not going to spend our, waste our time talking about fees. It either happens or it doesn't. So that's what um, I've been reading that Liverpool next season is going to be that time where we do see like, kind of maybe like a mini rebuild and we just bring in more big names, kind of similar to the, the spell of time we brought in Alisson, Van Dijk, all of them names. And that the man that has led that talk has been Federico Chiesa in terms of the name who we are going to get. And our attack is not getting any younger for Nuno Salamane. They're all pushing 30 now. Um, and I mean, Chiesa would be a fantastic target. So I don't know. Obviously, it's a, it's a brave strategy um, to, to kind of be like, right, not this summer, next summer. We'll do it next summer. But I mean, it could, if it pays off, Liverpool are very good in the transfer market when they want to be. So if it pays off, it pays off. But we'll, we'll have to see. And that wraps up the One Two Football podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Check out our major social media pages and check out the podcast on all big platforms at either One Two Football or at One Two Football UK. See you next time.